the Keep the Fire Burning podcast. I'm your host, Herb Welday. I'm here with Pastor Bruce Aubrey from Northside Church, and we hope you enjoy today's show. And today in our episode, we're going to discuss the history of Keep the Fire Burning. I'm with Pastor Bruce Aubrey, Northside Church. It's exciting. This is our first official episode on the podcast. Yes, sir. And, uh, we're going to talk about a little history. So first, before we, we start, history, you know, it's something that uh, doesn't pique everybody's interest. Sure. It uh, is important. Yes, sir. Uh, R.C. Sproul says everything is history, but everything isn't historic. Mm-hmm. So why start our podcast with the history of Keep the Fire Burning? I like to think of history as his story. I realize that just the telling of history... Um, I don't mean to overstate that, but the reality is God is at work, and He's always been at work, and uh, I just know that there's a story behind what we're doing, and mm. I think we want to tell His story in this story. Wow. Hmm. Now, Keep the Fire Burning has quite a history. It's not something new. It's been going on for at least over a decade. Sure. And uh, how, did, how did it start? What's the act one, so to speak, the desire and vision? Well, Herb, I was uh, in a graduate seminar in a university in Virginia and sitting in a classroom and heard a man talk about how he had come to know Christ in um, what he described as a little Baptist church that he had been invited to as a broken 16-year-old young man. Hmm. And something happened in my heart that day. He was the oldest of seven children. At the age of 13, he had gone to work at a bakery. His father was an alcoholic. He would finish the week, give his check to his mother so she had something to feed the kids. He fast-forwarded to when he was 16, now working at a hospital where a co-worker invited him to church. Never underestimate the Mm. impact of a simple invitation to a gospel service. So Dr. Hawkins was invited, and sure enough, he went, and as a result of that, gave his life to Christ. And in my heart, I... I asked him later that day, what's the name of the town? And he mentioned it was Addison, New York. I looked up the population of that town. It was somewhere around 1,800 people. And I grew up in a town like that. Right. I grew up in a town with 1,300 people. Uh, it's not the kind of place where people are sitting in a Bible college or a seminary mm-hmm. saying, when I graduate, I hope they send me to a town with 1,500 mm-hmm. people in New York. In fact, when most people think New York, they think um, cities. And why not? New York City, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, Albany, Mm -hmm. small cities, medium-sized cities, large cities, one of the largest in the world. If I was going fishing, I'd want a big lake. But the reality is everybody deserves to hear the gospel. And God has often done special works in small places. Look at Bethlehem. Wow. So for me, the question of the day became, who among the faithful will go to the forgotten because it matters forever. Mm. And the conversation even went on further in my own head. I was thinking about how, who's going to go be a pastor of a church like that? They can't always afford to pay a lot. No offense to small churches. I don't really believe there's anything such thing as a small church. Okay. I think that every church is strategic. They may be different in size, but God can use any place, and he does. And um, so I thought, you know, they may try to get a young guy right out of college, and he's happy to have a place to go. A year and a half in, he decides, you know, he wants to make some changes. And if there's a long history, he may not have the freedom to do that. And that whole journey might not go well, 
And it might even mean that in a year and a half, not only is he no longer their pastor, but he's no longer a pastor anywhere. Mm. And then they might call someone to be more of a chaplain, to just do religious duties. They wouldn't say that. Then sure. a pastor to lead them, love them, and lead them into gospel ministry. So I think it had been there for a while. Sure. But in that particular week, it was solidified to me something has to be done. And that led to the conference. Mm. I started thinking, okay, I pastor a church that it, I'm grateful. If I wanted to go to a pastor's conference, they would send me, and mm-hmm. they would pay for that. Mm-hmm. Many of the pastors I know may be bivocational. If they were to go, they might have to pay their own way. Right. They might have to take vacation time. And I thought, how can we do something that will be, minim- It'd be very cost-effective, but excellent, and people could benefit from and literally be spurred on in sure. ministry. Right. That's good. So you had this burden, you had this desire, and the Lord has really shaped that and really allowed that to grow. Uh, and then from there, you had your doctrinal thesis. Tell us a little bit about that and the survey that you partook in. Sure. I, uh, <clears throat> I was doing my doctoral studies for a doctorate ministry degree, and I just wanted to sharpen the axe and keep growing. I didn't want to just get a degree. And I didn't need anybody to call me doctor. Mm. What I wanted to do was find a way that I could grow and develop and be more effective in ministry. And I think God used that. But out of that, I wound up writing my thesis. Uh, It was called Keep the Fire Burning, Biblical Principles for a Church uh, to be a Catalyst for Revival and Renewal in the Northeast. Something Mm. like that was the title. And um, I wrote on that. I studied the nine northeastern states. I learned that there are about 54, 55 million people in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Maine. I Mm -hmm. learned that two of the least church states in America were in those nine states. Wow. I learned that if it was the population of a country, it would be about the 25th largest in the world Mm. at the time. I learned that 85% don't have a relationship with Jesus, and only one out of three attend church of any kind, much less necessarily a gospel church. And so that was my mission field. I surveyed 35 pastors, but I asked them very strategic questions like, at what age were you saved? What was the size of the church? What was the size of the community? I was wanting to get a perspective if there was any continuity there. It was pretty diverse, but it was interesting. In smaller places, larger places, younger and older. Mm-hmm. What about your personal time with the Lord? Right. I asked some pretty deep questions like, what's one of those profound experiences you've ever been through in your life? Wow. And what did you learn from that? What's one of the most challenging situations you ever faced in a church? And what did you learn from that? I asked them, have you ever thought about quitting? If mm-hmm. so, how often? Um, and, and gave them some multiple choice answers. One of the things I was surprised by was, a rather large number said they never thought about quitting, Interesting. which told me that I was, I, was inter- I was requesting those surveys from 35 Northeastern pastors. And the guys that were here, they're here because they feel called here. And that was profound. But many of them have been through some very challenging situations. Mm-hmm. And certainly some had thought about quitting. And I think, I think we all have at one point or another. It's just human. Um, but from that, I actually, on a sabbatical, mm. retyped everybody's answer into a single space document that I still have on my computer that's over 100 pages long Wow! with the answers of all 35 pastors. And when I walked away from that sabbatical, I really felt like 
I understood the heart of pastors in the Northeast. That was 2011. Okay. I remember telling my son um, that I was starting to feel this burden for pastors. And he said to me at that time, Daddy, I think you were born for this. Mm. And he's a pastor. And, you know, it just, I didn't know that 12 years later, I'd be able to give my full time to this. Mm. Not that I'm an expert, but sure. I want to take what I've learned and try to encourage others. Amen. So you have this burden, and the Lord really allowed you through that survey to see a little glimpse into the heart of pastors, especially those that were serving up north. So you took that, you, you meditate on it, you, you laid that to the act, so to speak, and then what, you bring that home to Northside, and you transition to now the act two, you know, more of the conference years. So tell sure. us a little bit about how that started and, and the years at Northside. Well, here's the interesting thing. We actually started the conference three years before I wrote my thesis. Okay. Uh, I was certainly working on it, and I was moving in that direction, but I just knew from that class in 2010, we've got to do something. The church was gracious to say, let's get on board. 2011, we had our first conference. I think we had somewhere, Herb, around 170 or 80 people from about 70 different churches. Wow. Maybe eight or 10 states. Uh, that came in. We didn't charge anything. We brought, I wanted to have two kinds of speakers. If you have names nobody knows, people may say, well, why would I go? I, I've never heard this person. If you have only what we might call a big name, people think, well, I can't relate to that. Sure. So we actually were very strategic to do both. I would have people that some might know uh, by name, and then I would have others they didn't, but I knew they were going to be totally blessed by, and mm. they were. And often guys from the Northeast would be one of the guests to speak. Okay. And we'd also have inspirational music. We wanted, we took the word fire. So, so let me just go back. The verse we build all this on is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, where mm -hmm. Paul says to Timothy in his last letter, keep ablaze the gift of God that is in you from the laying on of hands. Now, I realize it's a pastoral letter to a young pastor from the older mentor. Mm -hmm. But some translations... Uh, say, fan into flame, fan the flame, keep ablaze the gift of God, keep the fire burning. We took the word fire and said, what do we want to accomplish with the conference? Yep. We said, we want people's faith to be renewed. Mm -hmm. We want them to be inspired and receive instruction. Yeah. We don't need you to leave with 10 things you might do, but if you can leave that two or three day conference with one or two things you've learned that could really help chart the course of the ministry God's called you to, that's a win. Right. The letter R was for revival and renewal. I spent a lot of time studying revival, and particularly even revival in the Northeast. How can our hearts be revived, ministries be renewed? Then the letter E, encouragement. Pastors need encouragement. Mm. If you're listening to this broadcast and you're a pastor, encourage another pastor today. Mm. Send him a text. Say, thank you for staying in the fight. Thank you for what you do. I'm praying for you. That will mean a lot. Mm. If you're a layperson, Shoot a text or send an email or a message. Or call your pastor. Let him know you appreciate him. Mm. Uh, as a pastor, yep. you can get 20 people give you feedback. If 19 were positive and one were negative, I don't know why it is, we'll get stuck on that negative one. Sure. And just want to encourage you. So that, that was the goal of the conference. Okay, cool. So you had a lot of conferences here. Yes, sir. There were many uh, well-known speakers that have come. Yes, There's sir. been... Uh, some that, like you mentioned, weren't as well-known, but yeah. still were very effective and still have fruitful ministries to this day. Um, but that didn't just stay at Northside. 
you had a couple opportunities the Lord allowed to open some doors to uh, the ministry to go abroad to even other nations. So tell us a little bit about some of those opportunities. Yes, I learned a lot. We did it six years in a row, then we took a year off. I didn't really want to. I wanted to keep going, but there was a sense that we needed to, at Northside, regroup and make sure we weren't losing our own fire. Mm. And God opened the door for me to go to Africa and teach, and God used that trip profoundly, maybe another conversation for another time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following year, I believe we did it again at Northside. Um, let me think. No, we didn't. It was, it, was, it was 18 that we decided to take it on the road. Mm. And the, in May, we went to New Jersey. Pastor Jerry Lapasana from Bible Church International, a wonderful Filipino pastor, invited me to host it at his church. We had nearly 300 people. And then he had said, if you ever want to go to the Philippines, I think we could have 500. Wow. And we went to the Philippines in 2018, and God graciously allowed us to host a conference in Manila for 900 pastors and leaders from churches. And uh, Northside sponsored that conference. Then, mm. uh, just a year wow. ago, uh, after COVID, and things started opening up again, uh, there was some from Korea who knew of the conference in the Philippines and asked if we would come there. And so we were able to go last year and sponsor a conference for about 260 pastors and their people uh, at a uh, sort of a hostel, uh, uh, like a campground, where we had a conference called Keep the Fire Burning, and Northside sponsored that Mm. for those leaders in South Korea. It was an amazing opportunity. Wow. Now, uh, during those trips, what was uh, one of the big takeaways that you thought, uh, as you even saw this burden uh, for many years before and now see that even abroad, how did God use that in your own life, in your own walk? Wow, that's an interesting question. I don't know that I've thought of it that way. Um, it challenged me to learn. You know, Richard Blackaby sometimes says, just do the last thing the Lord told you to do. Mm. And you never know what that step of obedience will mean toward the next step of obedience. Sure. I th- the verse that comes to mind almost immediately is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able, mm. we may not be able, he's able, mm-hmm. to do more than we could ask or think. In fact, exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, that to him be glory in the church. Mm. It's never been about Bruce. It's never been about Northside. It's about God's heart for shepherds. In Jeremiah 3.15, I actually preached from that passage in Mm. July, in in, uh, probably June of 1993, before I came as pastor. uh, I had preached about go and proclaim these words to the north. And the word north side just, it kind of all stuck to me. I'd been mm-hmm. reading devotionally months earlier. And then he, he calls God's people to return to him. And then he says, and I will give them shepherds after my own heart. Mm-hmm. There's something about the word shepherd. Everybody needs a pastor. I had a pastor from 1978 to 1982, four years. Wow. He baptized me, licensed me to the ministry, preached my father's funeral, ordained me to the ministry, and married my wife and I. Mm. That man's pastoral imprint is on my heart for life. Right. You may have never heard of Frank Wood. I will never forget him. Mm -hmm. He exemplified to me what being a pastor meant. Mm -hmm. And I know how much he meant to me and still does and to my family to this day. Pastors, you matter. Mm. And God has called you and he has a purpose and a plan. And the whole purpose of this podcast and this ministry 
which now includes other things, mm-hmm. is for you to stay strong in the calling. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, we had a conference that was last year. Yes. Recent conference. Tell us a little bit about that. That's one that was fresh on your mind. How was that conference, Keep the Fire Burning 2023? It was interesting. We had less people than I anticipated, but it was actually perfect. It was, it's like God gave us a test group. Because the number was a little smaller, I think we had around 70, we had tremendous opportunity to hear stories mm. that we may not have heard otherwise. Our speakers did an excellent job. The music was strong. God was so gracious. And I, I think I, I realized again how much pastors just need encouragement. And, and we want to do this with excellence so they actually feel some traction mm. and acceleration as they move forward in ministry. I had one conversation with a pastor who had been at a church for a number of years, felt a little stuck in his preaching. Okay. The next day, through something that was said by somebody, I felt somewhat of an impression in my heart to catch him later. Mm. And I mentioned that one of the most meaningful ser- series I ever did was Psalm 23, where I took a week a verse, or one verse per week. And uh, he texted me just a while ago, or messaged me, rather, and I think he followed through on that. Okay. And mentioned that he's now um, in Green Pastures again. Mm. And he said, I'd love to connect with you after the beginning of the year. So just being able, you know, sometimes I feared, Herb, that the people who need it most wouldn't come. And that's probably true. Sure. But those that did come realize, you know, because people say, I don't need to, I don't, I don't need to go to one more meeting. Mm-hmm. I don't need, I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I'm discouraged. I don't want to go hear somebody else give some great report. No, you just got to know you're not alone. Right. That's the goal. That's the goal. And that goal was accomplished. A lot of those men who came felt that we had an opportunity to really invest a lot of opportunities, pouring into them, a lot of conversations, as you mentioned. How did you experience that? My experience was what was my first experience. Uh, and uh, Keep the Fire Burning, I thought, was a success. I had an opportunity to have a hand in helping organize it Yes, sir. from a high level. And uh, I was also in the nitty-gritty having conversations with pastors. And I felt they felt that they were cared for deeply and that they have been cared for deeply by Northside. Uh, a lot of times there's ministries that have a passion, uh, but they fizzle out, whether financial situations or uh, leadership failures or other things, but the consistency for decades sure. to have faithfulness to the cause of helping pastors and continuing to come alongside them in a deep and profound way is very impactful. So I just appreciate that and the opportunity to be a part of that and see how the Lord continues to blossom it in the days ahead, which brings us to our final act, Act 3, yes. the new chapter. It's not the final act, but it's, it's the, the next part of the history. Yes. And uh, we know Northside cares deeply, and we know that they're doing that because you're not retiring. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we set the record straight. Yes. Are you ready for your retirement? I actually, I'm still full-time. Right. So tell us a little bit about what does ministry in the days ahead, some of your desires, and also what does your new role look like? Sure. Well, for me, it means that I will pray for and care for and encourage on a spiritual level the pastors that serve here at Northside. Maybe just a once-a-month conversation, how are you doing? How are you and the Lord doing? How can I best pray for you? And just trying to let them know that, you know, David said, no man cared for my soul. I want to be careful that we have someone caring for Mm. the souls 
of our pastors. Amen. Um, it does include the conferences and the workshops. We have one planned for New Jersey in March. We hope to do a one day up north. We're working on some plans for that. Then we, October 14 to 16, we're back here at Northside with H.B. Charles mm. and uh, Dean yep. and Sarah. Faithful brothers. Um, and our worship, uh, we'll, we'll have Dave Aubrey back, and we're excited about that. Mm. Uh, I'll travel to visit pastors. I've been coaching six pastors yeah. currently. Tell us a little bit about that. So uh, actually, my successor, Pastor Chris Cowley, two or three years ago after a one-day staff retreat, we were talking about how to reorganize our meetings, and one of the things we wanted to do was have, they said, Bruce, you take the front 30 minutes of that meeting and you know set the tone, give us direction, spiritual leadership. Later that night, Pastor Chris sent me an email and out of the blue and just said, you know what I need from you those 30 minutes? I need you to download 40 years of ministry. Mm. So for the next 20 weeks or so, I literally wrote an outline, either one or two pages long, and I called them lessons from a lifetime of ministry. Mm. And they became the basis for what I have started using to coach and mentor pastors. There's right. no fee for that coaching and mentoring. Northside pays my salary. Mm. I just offer it um, as an opportunity, and we've had the opportunity to test drive it with four pastors. Right. One from Ohio, one from Connecticut, one from inner city Syracuse, um, serving the Poly congregation, and one from the suburbs of Syracuse. They range in age from early 20s to uh, 50s. Mm. Um, they're diverse in their background in terms of culture, mm. and it's been a tremendous, tremendous experience. So I'll continue to do that maybe a half a dozen at a time so I mm -hmm. can give focus and clarity. Sure. We're also going to use those lessons on these podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'll record some teachings that will be available online, and I'm going to turn those 20 lessons into a book. Mm. Uh, I want to begin to train those feeling called to ministry here at Northside mm -hmm. and work with them. I want to build relationships with churches and pastors locally that I've gotten to know for 30 years see how I can speak into their lives, encourage them and their churches, mm. and build the team for this ministry, which includes you, Herb, and I'm so mm. thankful you're here on this journey. Mm. Um, Herb was a member of my son's church and served on staff there, and God graciously has brought him to us to help me in this season and Northside. Mm. And then we'll also uh, do these podcasts. So yeah. that's my journey. Amen. That's something we're excited for, especially, as you just mentioned, those lessons are going to be the first series. Our upcoming series for this year, 2024, is going to be the lessons from a life of ministry. That's right. And we're going to be able to use those as the content of this uh, first few uh, episodes. And Lord willing, we'll have an opportunity to uh, have some people join us throughout the way, a couple interviews coming along the way, some bonus episodes for, for those of you. So we're, ho great. we're hoping that this is an opportunity for you to be blessed. Um, as you mentioned, that was an opportunity. The Lord has blessed you to be in ministry for many years, decades, and you have opportunity to pass that wisdom on to others who are just starting out, who are in the thick of it, sure. or uh, who, who need to just be encouraged and do are, are flourishing, and they are thriving, but they want to continue to persevere in that. that so th That's the thing. I, I've served in churches for 46 years, minus one or two summers or in, in the early days. I was blessed to serve in churches that range from size in 80 to 1,200. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like God's given me some background and some experience. I'm not an expert, but I can be an older brother, mm -hmm. a spiritual father, a friend, 
And to the degree that God could use me in that way, I'll give this next season of my life to that journey and grateful to do it through the ministry of a local church mm-hmm. rather than just a ministry in a, as an entity in itself. Right, right. And that's good. Amen. And we're excited. So you can join us January 2nd. will be the first release of episode one. And uh, actually, that's this episode we're going to start with. And then we'll continue to give these episodes out every two weeks, beginning with the second lesson coming up. So we are grateful. Amen. Absolutely. Thanks, sir. And we're excited for what the Lord has in store. So we hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and we look forward to you listening again.